The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. But John the Evangelist, who wrote this uh, book, or possibly dictated this book to someone that wrote this book, um, he desperately wanted his friends and his readers and the early church and us thousands of years later to understand that Jesus was the Messiah. God's promise to Israel for a redeemer, for a deliverer, for a king, for a ruler. He wanted us to understand that if we find Jesus and we give our hearts to his truth, to his reality, if we accept him, that he will bring us life abundantly. And so we've called this series Finding Life because that was John's heart in writing his letter. He wanted everyone to know that Jesus was the Son of God, and he wanted everyone to know that if we place our trust in him, we can experience a different kind of life than we can find anywhere else. So before we get into John, I just want to ask everyone this morning, how many of you, five minutes ago, when we sat down, thought it all about your chair? Right? We have, we have a few that thought about their chairs. How many of you, when you sat down, had any concern that your chair was going to hold you up? Zero. If, this morning, we had had a bunch of, like, elementary school kids' chairs, we had taken all of these comfy black chairs out of the room, it was just these tiny little, little kids' chairs, how many of you think that you would have thought about the chair before you sat down? Me. I may have picked it up, I may have check to make sure the legs were stable because that chair's a little iffy, right? But this chair, it looks right. It's my size. So what do I do? I sit down and I trust it, right? I don't think twice about it. I trust it so much, it is mindless, John wants us to understand we can trust Jesus that much too. Now, that's simple, but yet not simple, right? Because we don't have a Jesus chair to sit in over and over again. For many of you, you didn't trust the chair, a chair, chairs in general, at first. It took years of continually sitting in that chair, placing your weight in it, and it holding you for you to sit in it mindlessly. But for some of us, we've had the unfortunate uh, 
unprivileged, whatever the word is I'm looking for, of sitting in a chair and having it collapse. Uh, I remember the, the church that I went to before we moved to Georgia. Um, for a long time, we met in a school-like gymnasium. We had these folding chairs that they set out every Sunday. Um, and this was a large church, so it's like a 1,000 chairs on this gym floor. Um, and without fail, every Sunday, a chair collapsed. <laughs> Part of that is because people misused them, and they stood on them, and kids used them as jungle gyms and toys and bounced on them and did all kinds of other things. The other part was we'd been in the gym for about five years, and these chairs were getting used and used and used, and they were made of plastic and um, probably had it reached the end of their life cycle. But unfortunately, you don't always know when that is until it's too late. Right? And so I always enjoyed on Sunday mornings coming in and watching people very carefully sit down in their chairs because they had seen over and over again. So what had happened in the culture of this church, we had lost all trust in the chairs. In fact, there were, there were seats on the side of the gym that were incredibly uncomfortable, that were always full. Because no one wanted to sit in the chairs in the middle of the room. Uh, because it might be your Sunday. <laughs> right? And it never happened to the, like, huge football player man. It always happened to the, like, mom. Or the young woman that already had self-esteem issues. <laughs> and... Without fail, it was always the smallest person on the road. Their chair was the one that collapsed, right? And I think for us, a lot of times, we live our lives unconsciously in fear of all kinds of things. And unfortunately, we have circumstances in our lives like breaking chairs that crush our ability to trust in an unfailing and perfect God. And so what we do is we walk through life picking our chairs up examining them and very carefully sitting down. And so, because of that, what did I just do? I wasted a lot of energy and a lot of time. And I may have missed a chance to have a conversation or the opportunity to witness or to experience some other thing, or maybe I never sit down at all. Because my trust is so broken, I'm not getting anywhere near this. It's failed me, never again. We do that with our relationships. We do it with our talents and our abilities. Some of you, when you were a kid, you loved to sing. 
and somewhere, some point in your life, someone told you you weren't very good, and they silenced you. They stole the joy of the Lord from you because you no longer trusted. John wants us to trust Jesus. And he has introduced us to a character in John the Baptist that I think we can learn a lot from. So I'm going to invite Ethan up now. We're going to read John chapter 2. Um, sorry, chapter 3, verses 22 through 36. Um, if you have one of these black Bibles, or if you need a Bible, they're in the uh, communion tables, and you can follow along. It's on page 1065. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the uh, Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God for God, gives the spirit without limit. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. May God bless the reading of this word. Thank you. Okay, so, John the Baptist. How many of you know anything about John the Baptist and are brave enough to just tell me something you know about him? Shout it out. Jesus' cousin, cousin, okay? Lived Lived in the desert. Okay? Closest man that ever lived to God, pretty much. Ate weird food. Anyone know what that weird food was? Locusts and honey. Anything else? He was beheaded. Okay? Not yet in this story, but it does, it's coming. Anything else? It'd be kind of weird if he was talking without a head. Uh, it's, it's not Halloween here. Um, Sorry? Still didn't hear it. Miracle baby. Miracle baby. All right. Sorry. Uh, Maybe I am getting old. Um, Okay. So John is a, John the Baptist is a, a, a strange bird, right? To say the least. Uh, 
In the other gospels, he's described as wearing camel skin for clothes. And he did live in the desert for quite some time. But John wasn't a social outcast, and I think it's really important for us to understand that, especially with what's happening here in this passage. John was incredibly successful. At this point in his ministry, it's believed that thousands were showing up to see him teach and to witness baptisms, and hundreds, if not thousands, were being baptized John came as a prophet, much like the prophets in the Old Testament. He was declaring and rebuking Israel, telling them that it was time to repent before, because the Messiah was coming. And he did it convincingly, as strange as he was, as weird as he was, as odd as he may seem to us. John was incredibly successful. And convincing. And at this point in time, what's happening here is John has been so convincing, people are asking him, Are you the Messiah? Are you the return of Elijah? Because if he wasn't the Messiah, based on interpretations of the Jewish scriptures, they thought Elijah was coming back before, because Elijah didn't die, if you, if you remember that story. He was called up to heaven on a chariot of fire. You following? Maybe not, if you don't. Um, it's a great story. Uh, and so Israel believed that Elijah would come back and that he would prepare the way for the Messiah, the coming king, right? So if you're not Messiah, but you're doing all this really incredible stuff, and you're saying all these really incredible things, and it makes total sense to us, well, then you have to be Elijah, because who else would you be? There's not a promise of another prophet. There's not a promise of a different kind of person. This is what we're promised. And John, at this point, has denied being Elijah, He's denied being Messiah. He's denied being the prophet. Not because those things are bad, but because John knows who he is. John's name tag isn't blank, like many of us. Can I be honest with you today? Many of us in this room We don't know who we are. We struggle with our identity and our purpose. We argue with people over our value. We think we're worthless or we're useless. We think God made a mistake. Or we think we made a mistake and messed God's perfection up. I don't know where you are this morning in terms of your identity, but I'm here to tell you, I believe every single person in this room, every single human on this planet was made in God's image. 
And they were made on purpose. And they are not mistakes. And they have meaning and value in this world. So this morning, if you're struggling with your identity, if you, if I told you to tell me what your purpose is, what your value is, if this would have been you this morning, I want you to understand the only difference between someone like John the Baptist and us is that he put his full weight into the truth that Jesus was the Messiah. And in that, he understood, my purpose is to prepare the way so that everyone around me will know when the Messiah comes, they can trust him. They can listen to him and they can follow him. So what we have here in this story as John is once again testifying, John the Baptist is once again testifying about Jesus. As his followers are arguing because more and more people are leaving to follow this other man that is baptizing just down the river. John's saying, no, 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 no. You're missing it. He is the promised one. And he deserves everything he's getting. My job was to prepare you for him, not to get jealous. Not to be worried over the fact that I had thousands and now I have hundreds. John lived a life of confidence to wear camel skin and to eat locusts and honey and to be the weird guy because he knew who he was. And that was 100% rooted in the confidence that God is God and he made me and I'm not a mistake. And I have been put here on this earth for a purpose and I can do that thing and I can let it go when it's done. So this morning, I want to ask you, do you trust God? Do we really believe that Jesus can give us life? Can we sit in him? like our chairs this morning? Or do we hesitate? When he speaks to us, whether that's through a dream or a vision or the scriptures or a preacher or a family member, do we question it? Or do we trust it? Do we double check and make sure it's safe? Do we argue with God? No, 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 God. Not that. How about this? I'll go to this point. That's pretty good, right? It's what I tend to do. 
And that's all boiled and wrapped up in the fact that I forget who I am. I forget that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I can't echo the words of David. I don't trust the words of Jeremiah that God has promised that he knows the plans he has for us. So I don't walk with the power that John the Baptist walked with. Instead, I hinder the Holy Spirit. Miracles aren't happening around me. And it's all because I don't trust him. He must become greater and I must become less. And some days that's going to mean we're on a mountaintop. We have thousands of people following us. Because we're walking in God's will, but just as quickly, our time might end. So whether you are struggling to know who you are this morning or you think you've found it, things are going pretty well, my question to you is, do you trust Jesus? And can you surrender in a way that whether he fixes things for you or it all comes crumbling down because your time and your role is done. John didn't know when he's talking here that very soon he was going to lose his head, literally. But what he did know is that he had a purpose. And his purpose had been fulfilled because Messiah was here and people were getting it. And John the Baptist had the confidence and the peace because he trusted God you told me to do this I did it we're good I don't have to worry about the fact that people aren't following me anymore I don't have to be fearful over what comes next you got me here why would I distrust that but far too often instead of trusting, we get afraid. We forget that we're not the bride or the bridegroom. We're the groomsman or the bridesmaid. We are friends standing beside the Most High. saying, this is real. I'm a witness. I can verify it. They're trustworthy. Shouting from the rooftops, Jesus gave me life. He set me free. I don't have to walk in the pain that I used to. The craziness of this world doesn't matter anymore. Who cares if people think I'm weird because I'm wearing camel skin and eating locusts? It doesn't matter. All that matters is that Jesus loves me. 
God loves me. He calls me his beloved. He has prepared a way for me. He has made plans for me. And so, as it says in 1 Peter 5, I can cast my fears and my anxiety on him because I know he cares for me. So John, in this moment where his disciples are freaking out because they're scared, it's all crumbling down, this success, this leader they've been following that they thought was like their ticket. Like, why aren't you fighting for what you've earned? Their anxiety through the roof. John the Baptist is saying, no, 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 no. This is how it's supposed to be. God gave me life. This is my purpose. Can't you see? The Messiah's here. Why aren't we celebrating? Friends, this morning, I don't know where you are. I don't know where you stand with God. For some of us, the idea of anything beyond now, we struggle with. We don't know if there's an afterlife or if humans are nothing more than an accident, a cosmic evolutionary accident. Some of us, we want to believe in God. We really, like, in our heads, it makes sense. We're not ready to dismiss the idea of purpose or of anything else. But man, in our hearts... We're struggling to actually embrace it like John the Baptist has here. And John the writer wants us to understand that life comes in that release. Just trusting so much that we can just do and be and follow and obey because we know I don't have to worry. God cares for me. Come what may. No matter what this world and the evil one and our mistakes throw at us, God is greater. We sang all about it this morning. For some of you on Sundays, you really need to start paying attention to the words on the screens because you need to accept them. We bring all kinds of mess into this space every Sunday. And God has created this for us. This family is here so we can let those things go. So we can stop and read a line in a song and hear other people around us praising God, saying, this I know. You are a great God. And even if we don't believe it, we can rest in that because we have covering around us. So this morning, if you're not John the Baptist, that's okay. Not all of us are going to be camel skin wearing, locust eating, super Christians. Most of us weren't made for that. 
But some of us are made for a lot more than we're allowing ourselves to be. Because we're afraid that the chair is going to collapse on us. And we're not willing to sit down. Let's pray. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that this morning as we are um, sitting here and we've looked at a really cool character in your story um, that we can connect to a man that lived 2,000 plus years ago. God, I thank you that there are people on this earth that trust you so much that they can walk around with a confidence and a boldness that are um, incredible. And I thank you, God, that you have used men like that to change the world just as you used John the Baptist. I thank you for giving men like Martin Luther King the strength to keep on. Father, I believe that this room is full of people that you love and you care about and that you can give us the strength to keep on. But unfortunately, God, we have bought into far too many lies. We don't trust you. We don't believe that we're worthy. We don't believe that we are Valuable. Or, God, we're just flat out selfish. So we're not willing to let go. Father, I pray for my friends in this room that their scars and their wounds that have caused them to distrust you, to hesitate, to sit in your peace and your love. Father, I pray that they would recognize them. I pray that you would give them the courage to sit anyway.
for all of us, God, I pray that we as a church could be a community of people that love you, that love each other, that love our city, and that are willing to lay down our lives for one another and for those that around us that need you. So Lord, as we continue beyond this teaching, as we sing again, I pray that your spirit would keep speaking to our hearts. Help us to take one step forward this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Um,